The Minor Constellations Podcast. Conversations with engaged thinkers and doers. I'm Kathleen Sampson. And I'm Yair And we're doctoral fellows at the research training group Minor Cosmopolitanisms, which hosts this podcast. In this episode, we talk to Ira Raja about her work on how aging figures might disrupt imaginaries of the nation. Ira is professor of English at the University of Delhi, and she held the Potsdam Postcolonial Chair for Global Modernities in the 2022 summer semester. The conversation centers on her article titled Nation and Aging, Mother India's Mutable Body, from The Handbook to Aging, forthcoming from Bloomsbury. We start from the ways in which imaginaries of the nation are often constructed through motherly figures, and how in India, certain mothers, such as Dalit and Muslim mothers, cannot be abstracted to stand in for the nation in the same way. Ira then talks about the ambivalence inherent in the figure of the aging mother as either a token of postcolonial decline, or in the reading she offers, as having great potential in signaling a nation more porous and open to change, crucial in a time of rampant Hindu nationalism. Thank you, Ira, for joining us uh, today and really for, you know, agreeing to, to be in conversation with us now that you're visiting here uh, at the RTG and in Germany. So we, we want to begin from the series of events of unrest in India, um, university campuses and beyond in relation to caste struggles in 2016 and in relation to the Citizenship Amendment Act in 2019. And in your article, you bring the mothers who figured in these protests to the fore. Can you explain a bit about these events in relation to general nationalist imaginaries in India at the moment and what these motherly figures evoke or unsettle? Mm, thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, you know, the, the year that Rohit um, Vemula, he was a Dalit PhD student from the University of Hyderabad, and he killed himself um, as a mark of protest against caste discrimination on campus. This was in 2016. And later that same year, uh, Najib Ahmed, a young researcher from JNU, he disappeared in the wake of right-wing violence on, on the university campus. And the bereaved mothers of these two students, you know, they appeared in a number of protests and they were seeking justice for their sons and and their cries basically fell on deaf ears and they were subjected to some pretty brutal online trolling. And I was reminded at the time of an essay by Sumati Ramaswamy on national longing for cartographic form. And, um, and in that essay, she points to how important maps are to visualizing the boundaries of the nation space. And, and she says, if it wasn't for the map, the nation would remain an abstraction and so the logic that she gives for imagining nations as mothers was that it would inspire a kind of affective allegiance. And, um, and how, and her basic point is that maps need to be supplemented by this somatic imagination. You have to think of maps in human forms for them to, to inspire people to, you know, as it were, give up, give, give their lives for the nation. And what um, so and what this this particular play that I that I discuss in this essay, you know, it turns this assumption on its head because the play starts by this flesh and blood mother, 
And as the play progresses, she becomes more and more abstract. And then she stands in for um, the nation. So what, when I saw the trolling of, the, of these mothers who were protesting and who were play, appealing for justice, um, and I thought what's happening here is the reversal of what Ramaswamy, the phenomena that she describes. And here it seems that these flesh and blood mothers now need to be reimagined as this abstract category of the nation before their plight has the power to move uh, citizens to any kind of empathy with, with these figures. And of course, the catch there is that these are not mothers who can stand in for the nation, you know, so they, they, they are already excluded, you know, they, they, as Dalit, as, um, as Muslim, and as, you know, subsequently there was a, another tribal medical student who killed herself. And, you know, so, so these mothers then remain locked in their particularity and in their singularity and in their abstraction. And um, so it, it was like, you know, um, the only way you can you can move people is by standing in for the nation. It's a reversal of what Ramaswamy said, why nations have to be imagined as mothers. And yet, um, you know, the conditions are impossible for them. They cannot stand in for the nation. And, and I think that became also very, very evident because around the same time, there were these um, media representations of um, the prime minister's mother, um, you know, he's the emperor of Hindu hearts and and she is, um, you know, newspaper headlines describe her as this Mother India figure. Um, um, but, you know, um, that that status um, she can lay claim to, but not the wrong kind of mothers. Um, so I think um, I think so, so to, to look at these women, um, these mother figures, um, you know, um, points to all these fault lines at the heart of this national imaginary, this imagining of the nation nation as a mother figure. Mm -hmm. You me mentioning you're the, the wrong kind of a mother figure. Um, so there is also, so, so you differentiate between the good and the wrong in relation to questions of class, castes, etc. right? That's that's something where where the wrong or the right seems to play a role, if I understood you correctly. Wrong in, in the sense, you know, that um, that in order to be able to represent, it's much easier for the mother of the emperor of Hindu hearts to stand in for mother to to be a mother India figure, you know. Um, and, and these women are then by, they are the nation's other, as it were, you know, they are, uh, they cannot have, uh, they cannot transcend their particularity. Um, you know, they, they, are, they are always um, um, grounded in, in their specificity. They remain Muslim, they remain Dalit, they remain tribal. Um, and, 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 you know, even as they are being called upon to be India, they can never be that, you know, they, they are asked to dissolve or, or leave their particular identity and become assimilated in this identity, um, broader um, homogenizing identity called, called India. Uh, but it's a mutually exclusive choice. You know, you, you, can, you can either be that or the other. Um, and whereas that, that choice is, um, that, that never is offered as a choice, that, that, you know, um, um, for a Hindu mother, for instance, and, you know, um, I'm 
I, I could, um, there's, there's a very powerful short story that I'm reminded of. Um, and and the, the title of it escapes me where where this Muslim man is asked to prove his identity and he goes to the to to the office and and he's asked for all these documents and he can't furnish them. Um, and then at some point he is um, really in, in kind of utter consternation. He asks this woman, how would you prove your identity? And, and she smiles and she says, I don't have to. My name is my identity. You know, where could so she has a very upper caste Hindu name? And she said, I could not be anywhere except India, so so she doesn't have to prove. Whereas he uh, has to constantly uh, prove his identity and his his belongingness to the nation. So I think that's the kind of paradox um, that 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 the play um, is points points towards. Maybe because it's very central um, to your argument. You can say something about maybe the play from which you kind of draw the characters and this understanding and yeah so it's um it's 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 by this hindi writer krishna baldev ved and it's a play the the in hindi it's called hamari puriya and it's translated by the writer as our old woman and i think it, it appeared in 2000 and it was translated shortly shortly after and i think it's um it's it, it has a Kind of, it has a self-reflexive quality. It's uh, it's uh, it's very critical. It's self, it's a very self-conscious dramatization of a phenomena that I think is widely represented in in socio-cultural literary discourses uh, in the years after Indian independence. And it's it's interesting to me, particularly for for its implicit engagement with what um, Lawrence Cohen would would describe as an identifiably Indian predilection for metaphorizing old age as a location of an imagined self, you know. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, you can you can take a, a train journey in India even today. And and if you're there long enough, the con and if there are other Indian people on the train, the conversation at some point will um, incline towards or, you know, Indian families versus Western families and how Indian families, we, we are so great because we take care of our older people. So the family then becomes the site for forging a sense of, identity um, that is superior to that of the West. And, and what makes it superior is the presence of the, the, the you know, that old figure, you know, this multi-generational structure in which the old person is ensconced in this bosom of this family and is being looked after. So that's, so, so here and then the play is asking us to actually reflect on this, uh, on this phenomena. Uh, and, um, and it's structured, it's very, very, Beckettian, it's uh, you know it's in the form of dialogue and it's um um it has these five men and women um, a group and they're surrounding this old woman who's at the center of the stage and and she remains silent through the play except the last couple of pages and the multitude uh, which i call or refer to as the chorus is kind of furiously thinking speculating about her identity who is she and and at some point it becomes clear that you know, she's she's a real person. She's somebody's mother, but at the same time, she's also the post-colonial nation. Um, and and the chorus then becomes this unmindful citizens. Um, so so there's a kind of metaphorical reading that the play offers to us on a platter, and then there's this resistant reading that I offer, and I say that it's doing something a bit more than that. Mm -hmm. So in, in this way, 
then the, the the play seems to participate in a trope that I feel like is is particularly visible or recurrent in post-colonial literature, which is of the figure of the mother as a figure of the nation. Um, so before we talk more about your resistant reading, as you're calling it now, in relation to the aging figure, um, could you maybe talk a little bit more about the relation of the mother to the post-colonial nation in general, just to give us a sense of what that trope, its history and what it kind of suggests um, yeah, about the nation? Mm. You know, I was saying the trope of the mother as a nation goes back to late 19th century. So I, I so I, I don't know if I would call it specifically post-colonial, but I think what happens in the post-colonial context is that it gets um it's get re gets revisualized and revisited in particular ways that point to the contradiction of that of of that of the, the, the that are inherent to that metaphor. You know, so so I'm thinking of um uh, the nation as mother in, in the discourse early kind of anti-colonial discourse, I'm thinking of late 19th century, early 20th century, um, where um, it was typically, um, you know, th there was a projection of, a, there was an understanding of a dual temporality, you know, where the home becomes a space of authenticity, where things don't change, and where there's a continuity of the past, and the and the world is a place of, of change. Um, and, and women come to unproblematically, you know, unproblematically in the sense of the middle-class women who represent uh, and they're distinguished from the working class woman on the one hand and, and the westernized woman on the on the other. And this is an argument that Partha Chatterjee, for example, uh, uh, makes in his reading of early nationalist writings. And when you uh, when you track this dual temporality in the in fiction in the, in, in postcolonial Indian fiction. Um, and you introduce the category. I mean, the mother appears in a, in in different guises here, and, and the space of the home actually emerges, starts to emerge as a space not of continuity but of conflict, um, and particularly of conflict between the generations. So you would have, um, you know, and uh, and um, and I think I, I think in that sense, this play is really kind of representative, and it talks about uh, through this play, I can address this phenomenon that is, has much more widespread representation in fiction, um, where once you introduce age into, into the category of the home, first, the, firstly, the home is no longer this unproblematic space of continuity because it's a conflict between the younger woman who is more modern and more westernized and who is no longer identifiable purely within you know, the domestic space, space of the home. And also, so home is, is fractured and the category of woman is fractured too, because, you know, you have introduced now generation into the mix. So, uh, so the young and the old um, represent, uh, the burden of representing the nation is not equally shared between the young and the old, you know, the younger woman is now much more identifiable with the westernized woman. So the older woman now comes to represent the, the nation. So I think what it does is it fractures this easy assumption of associating gender and home with unproblematic continuity. So and and I, so the, and this is my broader point that you know we we think of age as just throw it into the mix and stir, but actually once you throw age into the mix, all these other categories now need to be recalibrated. 
Mm. Yeah, so just just actually to jump on that, um, because you're talking about throwing into the mix. So I wanted to ask if you're if you're thinking about these in kind of intersectional ways, the, the aging body as intersectional with the gendered body, or is it something a little bit different? So, so I, let me start by saying that, you know, age is, is not really, aging studies is not really that established a field in India. I mean, there's some interesting work done. I think of Sarah Lamb, Lawrence Cohen, there's some younger scholars from literature departments who are work, working on it, like Saurav Kumar, who's published a bit. Um, and literary departments usually dismiss um, age as a kind of, you know, they see it as, um, what is it called? It's, it's a motif, you know, it's a kind of thematic uh, focus rather than something that has um, conceptual value. Um, so it's not, um, um, not uh, it's not, which is not to say that it's it's neglected, you know, you know, you think of age in, in Said's work, for example, um, looks at um, the kind of significant role that it played in Orientalist discourse, you know, thinking of the nation as, uh, we, we think of the nation as a gendered entity, but but we don't notice that it's also age specific in particular ways. And I think um, Said's work and also uh, Ashish Nandi's work has pointed to the kind of uh, really kind of conceptual role that age plays in the construction of the colonial encounter. You know, India is either kind of dying, decaying civilization as in Hegel, or it's, uh, it's um, you know, the most neutral history textbooks of, of colonialism draw on these metaphors that I that present India in certain age specific ways. So, so here, I, th I think when you think of age in, you bring age into the picture, say of a category of gender, it problematizes gender. And I think uh, it's, it's, it, it complicates our reading uh, in unprecedented ways. And I think they're not sufficiently accounted for um, in either post-colonial studies or even in gender studies. Uh, and I think it's, um, yeah, it, it's work that still, I think, remains to be done. And, and when you're putting age into, uh, or kind of like adding the, the question of age, what does the materiality of the aging body do? So you talk about uh, figures who can narrate the nation or be a metaphor of the nation as being figures who are easily abstracted, right, in relation to the poor aging woman who is not easily abstracted. Uh, could you explain this a bit more? Mm. So I, I think, well, age can be abstracted. I think that's, I think, um, that I, I wouldn't say it can't. In fact, you know, when you think of most of the readings of age, look at it, they abstract. They, they they look at it as an abstraction as a, it becomes a metaphor right I mean I'm thinking of um, um, you know who um, this conversation that I had many many years ago with uh, when I was just starting out my PhD with this editor of this highbrow Hindi literary monthly Hans um, and I asked him and in this conversation he said seven out of eight, ten stories that his journal receives are about old people. And so he was reading this as a kind of really, it was, um, he's a self-confessed progressive. And for him, this was really a kind of regressive trend. And it's represented constant as a culture. You know, we are a gerontocratic society, he would say, and we're constantly looking over the, over the shoulder. And he says, you can't criticize age without also at the same time criticizing Indian culture and traditions. So, so his argument then there was that age carries with it so much of baggage, you know, it's tradition, it's past, it's Indian culture, that you can never 
critique age without without uh, age always has to be understood in terms of this conceptual package that it carries. So I think what what I want to say or push for is against this idea of abstraction, where age is a metaphor for, you know, where to think of the nation as an aging body would automatically and obviously mean or be read as a comment on post-colonial decline and decay, you know? Uh, as a cu cultural atrophying that's going on and, and thinking of the nation as an aging body is a way to signal that decline. So I think what, what I, I am pushing for is a more complex reading of age and in particular with particular reference to this play, but this play is not unique because I think it's, it's both introducing and it's intervening in this long-standing 100 and 100 year history of imagining the nation. Um, where I look at the material body of age, you know, for example, the woman in this, the aging mother India in this play is represented as, it's a body that doesn't hold its shape, you know, it's leaking. Um, it, it's not a body that has its in, has in integrity, you know, in the, it, there's a porosity to this body. It's not totalizable. And it's an aging body, so it's certainly not an unchangeable body. It's not an essential body that stays the same. Mm. So I think, um, so in that sense, I speak of, um, uh, of, of the materiality of the aging body, its literal quality of being porous, non-integrated, um, dysfunctional even, um, as a way of making a case for an India that is not change. That is not changeless, but that can accommodate. That can change. That can. That is more. Um, that that is not so easily harnessed by the xenophobic narrative of militant Hindutva. You know, I think the aging body allows us. So, 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 so let, uh, uh, to put it in a sentence, I think one way of reading the nation as an aging body is to see it as a sign of cultural decay. But I say that the aging body allows us to imagine the nation in ways that they're more accommodated. The messiness of the aging body allows us to capture the messiness of the post-colonial nation. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way of putting mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So maybe as we start wrapping up our discussion, um, just to go back to um, the materiality of the, the aging body that you were talking about, because of course in the play there is this, there's the, the woman is, is, as you were saying just now, kind of, in some ways dysfunctional in some way a leaky a leaky body or or yeah a body that's not functioning in the way that we expect but um this is this is as you were saying also valuable for for the narration of the post-colonial nation um so can you maybe elaborate because i feel like in the article you're actually also going beyond just talking about uh, the nation but you're also talking at least as i read it you're, you there's a certain critique of post-colonial theory in general in your article, and maybe you would disagree with my reading, but it seems as though you're, you're offering some, some kind of critique there. So I wanted to ask if, if you agree, and, and if, you, if so, if you could speak a little bit about what, what, how, uh, how this allows you to elaborate a critique of post-colonial theory in general. Mm. So I think it's, it's um, 
I think age allows you probably to do that. I'm thinking of all the work that is done, for example, of you know, you know patients suffering from Alzheimer's. You know, you, there, there's a preoccupation with discourse and discursive constructions of identity, and there's this preoccupation with understanding. You know, for example, I mean, you know, in psychoanalysis, the preverbal. Uh, but what about the postverbal? You know, what about when you have lost language? And if you think of identity always as located. And, you know, things like we are the story that we tell about ourselves or the stories that we tell about ourselves. But what when you don't have a story, you know, um, you know when you've lost um, the use of language or, or how do you then construct identity um, for people who do not have memory or who do not have this sense, a sequential sense of the past, present and the future. Um, so I think here then, so through this, and this woman who doesn't, who 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 refuses to speak through the play, and um, and and I and I contrast that with the late nineteenth century um, photograph, or, or it's it's a print, um, it, it, it's it, it's a print from the Calcutta Art Studio in eighteen eighteen seventies, and it's called Bharat Piksha, which which could translate as India as a beggar or begging India or arms India as a receiving or, um, uh, you, you know, so it, it figures this India as this is beggarly woman and he's, he's offering this dark haired male child to mother Britann Britannia. And, uh, and it's clearly that, you know, that, 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 um, that this, this beggarly old crone can no longer look after this young nation. So then, so it, it kind of, it, it's a narrative that, that explains, um, or, or makes understandable the, the, the logic of colonizing India, you know, that they can't, can't take care of itself and therefore. Um, so, um, but in this, so there, because it's, it's a picture, it cannot, Mother India cannot talk back, but in the play, because it's, it's theater, you know that she's not speaking, there's this resistance to speech. And, and the fact that the more quiet she is and the more the chorus talks, the more the chorus is kind of gets very antsy and, rattled by the silence and it's constantly trying to impute words to the old woman. So I think, um, and finally, when she speaks, she doesn't speak, but what emits from her mouth is a kind of, it's very consciously called music without words and which is contrasted to the chorus's words without music. And, and, and also, so I, I look at that and I look at the way it's mobilizing the material body of age, as I call its dysfunctionality, to figure the post-colonial nation in ways that are more inclusive, um, I think enables us then to, to draw on this critique of identity that is located um, purely in discourse, in narrative, in language. And I think which is also a kind of blind spot of post-colonial theory, this kind of preoccupation with discourse analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really important in intervention you're making there about that that preoccupation, like you're just saying. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for letting us read your article. We look forward to it coming out. Uh, it's coming out in the Handbook to Aging um, with Bloomsbury. And uh, thank you again. To listeners... Do check out our website for more information, links, and references. You can find us at minor.hypotheses.org forward slash podcast.